Good morning, everyone. It's great to be able to worship together again. And um, thank you for allowing me into your living room again today. Whatever or whatever room that you are watching from or whatever time of the day that you're watching from, it's great just to be able to share this time together. Uh, thanks to the guys that have led us in worship and um, just really hoping to share something from the heart of God again today and um, feeling the responsibility of that as, as, as always. Um, so let me pray and then let me, uh, we're going to read from Acts chapter 8. So again, why don't you run and get your Bible while I'm praying. You can be praying on the run. Uh, but let me pray for us together as we engage with what the Lord wants to say to us. Never, it feels like never has there been more important time for us to hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit, to hear the voice of the Lord. Uh, for what next? Like, what do we do next? Um, so yeah, let's, let's keep praying, believing, leaning in for the whispers of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna be going to Acts chapter eight. So, um, so let me pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, this uh, opportunity to be able to be together. And um, God, just wherever we find ourselves today, whatever, wherever, whatever emotional space that we are in, psychologically, spiritually, physically, God, I just pray that you would be so close to us. Pray you would speak into our situation. God, choosing to believe that already as we've, as we've worshipped you in song, that you are already softening our hearts, opening our ears and our eyes to what it is that you want to say, what it is that you want to reveal. And so Holy Spirit, I just pray you would come now. Pray you would come now and I would know your heart. I would know your whispers as you communicate something um, of uh, of what you're what you're stirring within me, God, Holy Spirit, you would come incredibly close as we would hear and listen together. Uh, so we thank you, we we love you, we worship you. This is all for you. This is all about you. We want to continue to point to you, Jesus. So thank you, Amen, Amen. Yeah. So let me just let's just go straight at this. Let's go to Acts chapter eight, and I want to go to verse twenty six. And then right through to the end of the chapter. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet and the spirit told Philip go to that chariot and stay near it do you understand what you are reading Philip asked how can I said the eunuch unless someone explains it to me so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him the eunuch was reading this passage of scripture he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life 
was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. I have been gripped by this story uh, this week. And uh, like we, like it feels like we could, like there is any amount of places that we could go here um, and, and just unpack bit by bit. We're not going to do that, we don't have time for that. Maybe we will at, at some stage do that, but I just found it, I just found it gripping, I found it rich, I found it really significant. Uh, really significant in the life of the church and what was going on here. Um, so yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. But just to say this, um, the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go to this, go um, south to the road, the Jerusalem to Gaza road, uh, the desert road. The NRSV says, go to go south to the Jerusalem Gaza road. This is a wilderness road. And so I'm saying that just to point out, if you've been listening for the last number of weeks, you'll know that there, apart from two weeks ago, we went up the mountain. We changed our location, but prior to that, we'd spent some time looking at encounters in the wilderness. And there's something of that again today. Uh, and, and maybe, that, maybe that is important for us, because this is, a, I know of many people that are feeling that this has been a bit of a wilderness moment feeling that this has been, they've been on a wilderness road, a wilderness journey. And so maybe that continues to be uh, important. Encounters in the wilderness. Uh, and this was, this, was a, this was a remarkable encounter in the wilderness. I think it was an important encounter in the wilderness, not just for the eunuch. The eunuch encountered Jesus and went away rejoicing. So obviously it was a, it was a significant wilderness encounter for him. But I think it was, a, it was equally significant for Philip and it was equally significant for the church. Now Philip, I, I have so appreciated and valued Philip as I've been caught up in this story for the, for the last uh, week or so. Where if we find out about Philip, we are introduced to him in Acts chapter 6. Um... The number of disciples was increasing. Incredible things are taking place. The Holy Spirit has come in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit has come and it's beginning to spill out onto the streets of Jerusalem. The word of God is increasing. Uh, thousands of people were being added to the church. And because of that, there was people that were not receiving their daily distribution of food. And uh, so the disciples gathered together and said, we need to continue to concentrate on the ministry of the word and prayer. And so let's gather other people around us who are full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit so they can wait on tables is, is, is the language that's used. Those that will serve the church really well. Serve those that feel like they're being neglected. Serve those that feel like they're maybe on the edges. Well, let's, let's make sure that we, 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 we aren't neglecting that, which is great. 
And so Philip was one of those people. We're, we are, we're really familiar with Stephen. Stephen, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, we're told in Acts chapter 6, verse 5. A man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit and also Philip and, it, and uh, several others. Full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. That's how we're introduced to Philip. What an incredible uh, way to be introduced. Uh, And then we're, we're, we, uh, we have this, the, the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 7, this horrendous uh, story in some ways beautiful in some strange way. But then we, we meet Philip. He's in Samaria. He's preaching the gospel. Uh, and uh, people are taking notice of what the Lord is doing in him and through him. And then the angel of the Lord comes and says to Philip, and we hear again in the story how the, 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 the Spirit comes again and says, uh, go to that chariot. And I think it's really important to, to emphasize that about Philip. For wanting to, to uh, do a bit of a profile on Philip. He's one who's full of faith. He's one who's full of the Holy Spirit. And he knows what it is to hear the voice. He knows what it is to pay attention to the angel of the Lord or to the, to the voice of the Spirit whatever way you want to put it. And his obedience is really clear. He's heard the voice and he's obeyed the voice. And, and, I, and I think that's really important. I think that I've felt uh, at times in the journey of our church and it, it's not just, it's nowhere, it's not just exclusive to us. It's been the story right back, from, right back in Genesis 12 where there is imprecise direction and clear obedience. See, Abraham was just told, like, gather up your stuff and go. It was an imprecise direction, but there was clear obedience. And and something similar here again uh, with Philip. He's told, go south and go to the road, the road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza, the wilderness road, and so Philip goes. And that is all God needs to direct disciples. People who have said, yes, I am going to follow the way of Jesus. All he needs is people that will clearly obey. Even whenever the direction maybe seems not so precise. And so I think it's important to say that about Philip. Maybe that's important for somebody listening at the moment again what I loved about the story uh, and so that's what like we spend we spend all day talking about this idea of imprecise direction and clear obedience but I, but I, won't, but I just want to touch on these things and, and, and move on hoping that there will be something if there's one of these things that just catches your attention that you just feel the Lord just uh, wanting to, to speak into your heart let like Get in touch. Let, let's let's push into all of these things a bit deeper if that's where you find yourself. But let, let me let's just let's just keep going through the story here and pull out a few other uh, pieces of gold. Well, I think they are anyway. Verse thirty. Philip ran to the chariot. He ran to the chariot in response to what the Holy Spirit had said. Verse twenty nine uh, says that the Spirit told Philip, "Go to that chariot and stay near it." And so Philip ran 
to the chariot. And I like, I love this. So as I've just been just been struck by this story this week, I couldn't help but feel God is chasing after this eunuch. God is chasing after him. He's sent, he's pulled Phil about all of the activity, all that's going on in Samaria. He's entrusting Philip. I know Philip, I know he'll obey. I know he'll be in the right place. I know he'll listen to the whisper of the Spirit. And he'll obey. And so Philip is, is waiting. And then the, the Spirit comes again and says, Right, Philip, go near the chariot. And Philip runs. And for me, there's something in that picture of God chasing after the eunuch. And why I think why I think that is because this eunuch had come to Jerusalem to worship. That's what we're told in verse 27. He came to worship. He came to Jerusalem. He came to what seems like revival breaking out. It seems like revival is breaking out in this city. Like Holy Spirit activity. People are being radically healed. Radically set free. Thousands coming to, coming, uh, being added to the church. Responding to the gospel. Responding to the way of Jesus. The word of God is spread. Things are multiplying in the city of Jerusalem. And this eunuch comes to Jerusalem to worship but he's leaving he's leaving seeming it seems that he has been untouched with the message of Jesus and part of me just felt like I felt like uh, as a like as someone who loves the church and is part of the church how can someone come searching someone coming with all of these questions that the eunuch clearly had and leave the city of such activity of such Holy Spirit activity, leave untouched by the message of Jesus. And I have to think, like I, I, was it because, maybe, it's, maybe I shouldn't assume, was it because he didn't look the right way? Was it because he didn't uh, come from the right place? Because part of me just thinks that God has come for him precisely in his difference and exactly in the complexities of his life. The, I am conscious that you are listening to this and there is possibly children in the room. And maybe you've been listening and you don't even, or maybe I should have explained this at the start, I don't know how to do it without feeling awkward and uncomfortable. <laughs> but a eunuch was one who had been castrated. And the most intimate part of his body crushed, emasculated. He'd been intentionally cut off from his family line. Eunuchs intentionally cut off from the family line to go and to, uh, to live in service to wealth and to empire. Like the complexities of all of that. And maybe like stuff going on in your life, stuff going on in the lives of people that are around you, really, really difficult, really complex. But I would want to suggest that, that God, like just the way that he did, the way he chased after, the way he pursued this eunuch, exactly in the complexities of his life that he would be doing the same for you or for someone in your family or for someone in your street. See, they understand, like, Maybe this, 
this is the environment that they stepped into. There, there was still this understanding that they were eunuchs were not allowed to enter the temple. They were not allowed to enter the temple. And maybe that's why he ended up leaving. He didn't look the right way. Hadn't come from the right place. He wasn't the right person. And maybe just because of what had happened to him. Maybe because of what had happened to him. He left. Untouched by the message of Jesus. And I think it's really sad. I think it's really sad in this story. And I think it's really sad that it, it happens in our churches still. And I feel challenged by that and really searching the Lord on this, honestly. People that come with all their complexities come with all their differences look different come from the other side whatever it is I love that Jesus like in Mark 5 most famously he, he left got on the boat and went to the other side Jesus continually was bringing his disciples to the other side and our instructions as followers of Jesus our instructions as people who make up this the, the, this body, the bride, the church, they're, they're really simple. Like Jesus simplified them as best as he could. Love God and love others. And even times this week, I just have to remind myself like that love others, that like that includes everyone. Like, includes everyone. In John 15, some amazing verses, part of the, f the final words that Jesus is speaking to his disciples um, before he is arrested and ultimately taken to the cross. But he, he says, like, if you want, if you obey me, you love me, if you love me, you'll obey me. Those that love me will obey my commandments. Sorry. Those that love me will obey my commandments. If you love me, Jesus is saying you're, you're, you're going to obey the places that I send you. You're going to obey the, the people that I send you to. Loving God and loving others are our instructions that Jesus left us were really simple and I think Philip exemplifies them wonderfully he's loving God because he's listening he's listening for the he's paying attention to the voice of the spirit like one of the ways that you show people that you love them is by listening to them and so Philip reveals the love that he has for God by stopping and paying attention and listening for his voice listening for his instructions more than that he obeys following the way of Jesus but if you if you love me you'll obey what I say and where I send you and Philip personifies this beautifully I think like he could have 
maybe like Philip could have came with all his sort of preconceived ideas, all his judgments, but he chooses to, to trust the voice of the Spirit. He chooses to obey where he sends him where he sends him and to who he sends him to. And and let me just uh, let's just look at a moment where he's where the eunuch is reading from. He's reading from uh, Isaiah fifty three. I just wonder as I, as I was reading through this again, I wonder did the eunuch just find himself in the story here? Like did he just resonate with the story whenever uh, he was reading in humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Like the eunuchs were humiliated. Deprived of justice. And again, I just wonder, maybe that's maybe that's your story. I know it's the story of many people within our communities. You know my heart for kids in care, looked after children, are often find themselves in this place of humiliation, deprived of justice. And Jesus is the one that the, that the prophet is speaking of. Jesus is the one that identifies with people like the eunuch. He identifies with the children in our care system. Whatever, whatever, whatever group of people, whatever thing that you're thinking about right now, Jesus identifies. He's the one that, that came, took on that humiliation Lay like a lamb to the slaughter. Didn't open his mouth. He identified with us out of deep love. And then I love that what Philip does with this moment. What he does with this question. Who is this talking about? Is the prophet talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And I imagine Philip was just rubbing his hands. Like, what a question to ask an evangelist. What a question to ask someone passionate about the person and the ways of Jesus. And I think it's the Passion Translation that's that, uh, that translates verse 35 using this passage as his text. He preached Jesus to him. He preached Jesus to him. And so the, the eunuch had, had had all of these questions. And we see we see the questions that he was beginning to ask. Like how can I how can I know what this is talking about unless someone tells me? Who is this speaking about, Philip? Who is it speaking is the prophet speaking about himself or is it someone else? And then all of his questions, Philip begins to answer. And revealed to him and preached to him Jesus. And all of those questions are answered in Jesus. All of the things that he wanted to know, all of the questions that he had, all of the confusion that he was on his way back home with were answered in Jesus. And that sounds incredibly simple. But with all the questions that you have, all of the doubts and all of the fears that are going through your mind all of our questions are answered in Jesus and then I love his next question 
now that now that he's now that he's had this encounter, he's had this revelation of Jesus. He then asks this question: What prevents me? What is there to stop me from being baptized? And that's and I think this is a pivotal moment. I think it's pivotal for Philip. I think it's pivotal for the church, because the like if you're looking at this through the religious lens, if you're looking at this through the understanding that many. Um, many good people would have had they would have they would have answered that question everything everything is prevents you from being baptized by by the measurements that even the church were using everything is preventing you see according to many of them he wouldn't have even been allowed to enter the temple And all of his complexities and all of his baggage, the, the answer, if you're looking at it through a particular lens, through a religious lens, the answer to his question that he asked would have been everything. There's lots to prevent you from being baptized. But Philip, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, full of faith, responding to the voice of the Holy Spirit, says nothing. There is nothing to stop you from being baptized in all of your complexities and all of your baggage and whether you look the right way, speak the right way, there is nothing to prevent you from being baptized. There's nothing to prevent you from entering into the family of God. This is beautiful. And immediately he instructs the chariot to stop and they make their way down. I like they're on a desert road. Like I don't know where did the water come from? Anyway. The, they make their way down to this this water, a stream of water, whatever it was. And he baptises the eunuch and he, they come back up and uh, they come up out of the water and the Spirit of the Lord takes Philip away. I was reading this book and uh, I can't remember, I thought I had it written down, I can't remember the name of the author, but this is what it says the impossibilities of who the eunuch was and how the people of God has been carefully defined were of no interest to the spirit who sent Philip into the wilderness. Not remarkable. The impossibilities of who the eunuch was and how the people of God have been clearly defined were of no interest to the spirit who sent Philip into the wilderness. And as we begin to wrap things up here, I'm finding actually it hard to wrap this up because we we come to the end of our of our sermons of the these these preaches that we do our best trying to communicate something of the heart of God. We want to we want to neatly package it. We want to round it off really nicely. We want to finish it off with a with a three-step application or whatever. But I felt like as I was reading this story, like it, it it wasn't neatly packaged. It felt like it didn't it wasn't rounded off. It felt like there were so much more questions that were that were left unanswered in some ways. Like what about enter like what about what was the unit going to do now? Like what what about the discipleship? process what about the programs that he would need to enter into the courses that he would need to take he's this new believer he's just like been baptized and brought into the family of God in spite of everything that would have been against him 
But Philip was not allowed to stay. To come out up out of the water. And Philip is sent away. And the eunuch goes on his way rejoicing. Feels like he's encountered Jesus and it's going to transform the rest of his life. And Philip is not allowed to stay. He's not allowed to say to tell him who to be or how to be. And I'm saying that not, not incredibly comfortable with that. But he's taken away. He's not going to be conformed into to, to Philip's like preloaded life script. And honestly, I, like you want to wrap that up really well. But Philip is not allowed to stay and tell him how to be or who to be. In some ways, it reminds me of Jesus. Whenever the, this the, the demoniac has this incredible encounter with Jesus, completely transforms his life. He's a new man. They found him clothed and in his right mind. And uh, he wants to come with Jesus. He wants to be all about where Jesus is going and what Jesus is doing. And Jesus says, no, you have to, you need to stay here. You need to tell people what's been done. Tell people who I am. Reveal my heart to the people in your community and Maybe the eunuch was being entrusted with the same thing. Feels like it would have been better for the demoniac to go with Jesus for a certain period of time, and feels like that would have been better for the eunuch when he come back and for for a period of time and be discipled and learn the ways of Jesus. But this encounter completely transformed him, and he went away rejoicing. And in some ways, I'm still going to give in to the temptation of trying to round to wrap this up or neatly tie it all together. But there is just an invitation for us. An invitation, I think, for, for one thing, for me, I'm like, I feel like I'm being invited to lay down a lot of like preconceived ideas, lay down a lot of like judgments that I just can some automatically carry as I look at particular places and look at particular people. To lay those down and just to, to, to love God and to love others. And as I do that, that the, that the Holy Spirit would entrust me to, to, to go and to love those that have been maybe left to the side, those that have been rejected, ignored, sent away, still with questions, still with doubts and fears and those that with all of their complexities are left church maybe doesn't know what to do or what to say and will love people in such a way that the Holy Spirit will will hear the whisper will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying go here and go to them and will obey where he sends me and obey who he sends me to It's my job, to, in the same way that Philip did, to point people to Jesus. It's your job, point people to Jesus. And so for, for some of us that are listening, maybe you just need to take encouragement or challenge from Philip. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. 
And obey where he sends you and obey to who he sends you and just make sure whatever you do, you're pointing people to Jesus. It's not your job to change people. It is your job to love them. It is your job to do what Philip did and to come up, verse 31 of Acts 8 says, to come, he came up and he sat with him. It's your job to do that. And maybe, I don't know, if you're one of those people that maybe identifies with the eunuch today listening, I'd love for you to know that uh, God is chasing after you. A father of love, he's full of tenderness and mercy and kindness. A bruised reed, he'll not break. A wick that is about to go out, he's not going to snuff it out. And if you're feeling that because of all your complexities, with all of your differences, that your, your, all of your stuff's been ignored. I'd love you to know that God is chasing after you. He's longing to speak to, he's longing to, speak to people who will come and sit with you and point you to Jesus. And if that's you, I'd love to be that person. I think there's people that are part of our family here that would be more than happy to be that person. So yeah, thanks for thanks for that. I just feel like I'm still like just wrestling through this, just engaging with some of the challenges that I've just dis- feel like I've discovered in this text this week. And uh, so yeah, let, let's continue to pray. Let's continue to, to hear what the Lord is saying to us. Let's be incredibly intentional how we love Him and love others this week. So bless you all. Have a have a great uh, day. We'd love you to, to see you this afternoon if you're free and hopefully the weather stays good for us. Um, but we uh, we love you. We're grateful for you. Thanks for joining with us. And, uh, and let's be in touch. Talk soon. Bye.